Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, Build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. One thing I always say is like when I'm putting the toppings on, you know, take that extra time to make sure the toppings are like really spread out amongst all the chips. And my tip is to kind of like squint your eyes and think of like an abstract painting that all the colors are like balanced on the sheet tray. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Today, we're going to be talking about nachos. Yes, again, but this time with Dan Whelan, who we know and love from our episode with him about s'mores and tater tots. But before we dive into that, this is your weekly reminder that we have the very best community on the internet, and we want you to join us there. Yes, guys, come on. We're waiting for you. What are you waiting for? There's a free area that absolutely anyone can join. All you need to share is an email address and we don't share that with anyone else. And then there's also a supporting membership and that gives you more access to recipe ideas, private Q and A's with both of us, as well as two exclusive episodes every month and a quarterly cocktail hour with a huge giveaway. And hey, if you can't join our community or become a supporting member right now, you can always support Didn't I Just Feed You by leaving us a rating or a review too. And as a quick reminder, if you're a new listener, in older episodes, we talk about a Facebook group, which we ran for a while, but that Facebook 
group is now closed, so you will not find it. You don't need the super secret password to join us there. Okay. You made reference to the fact that we're talking about nachos again. So I just want to make sure that people who are new listeners know that we do have an episode that's just you and me. We'll link to it in the show notes in case that helps make life easier. But it was a conversation about how to make nachos a legit family dinner because we felt like that really needed to be said. (laughs) (laughs) Did we or we? It's just like one of those things where we're like observing our own lives in the kitchen. And during that season, we, we were both like making tostadas and nachos a ton. Not that I'm not still making both of those. I felt like it needed to be said, but we just explored the idea of like chips with stuff on them for dinner. We primarily talk about cheap hand style, just putting them on a big tray. Um, There's a ton of great tips in there and not for nothing. It's one of our most popular episodes of all time. So if you haven't listened to it, you should fix that. So I think that Dan's book is a really great companion piece and this conversation also. So Dan's new book, we love Dan, right? He's His recipes are fun and playful, but he's also really like thoughtful and mindful about his approach to food and thinking about the foods that he's playing with, like where do they come from, whether it's tots, which are more of a like manufactured food or nachos, which have a really meaningful, long cultural history. He kind of pulls that all together and does a ton of research. His new book is called Nachos for Dinner, Surprising Sheet Pan Meals the Whole Family Will Love. And I do say this when we're talking to him, so uh, I'm going to say it up front too, that this is not a gimmick book. This book has recipes uh, like a quick shrimp recipe, a great Coney Island style chili recipe that you can use in all different ways. There's tons of useful stuff in here. And then Dan talks about how to pull it all together into nachos. So we kind of go deeper into what it means to make nachos for dinner and how to get really playful and even a little irreverent. Hello, scallion pancake nachos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Is it weird that I'm like, we shouldn't even talk anymore about nachos. We should just dive right into talking to Dan. Yeah. What would be weird about that? I don't know. You know, a little, we got, oh, usually there's like a little, 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 hi, hey guys, what's up? How are you, Megan? No. What's your... What's your nacho nacho life now retrospective? <laughs> hey Megan, so tell me how are you feeling about nachos these days? No, let's let's go to dance. I feel the same way about nachos. I felt about them two years ago. I love them. I'll never live without them. They're a great sheet pan dinner, and I can't believe we didn't talk about them specifically in our recent sheet pan episode either. But enough about us. Let's talk about Dan. Combining the amazing flavors, varied textures, and fun of beloved dishes, Dan Whalen creates recipes ranging from satisfying fingered foods we all know and love to takes befitting a fork and knife meal. And they are so easy that even the kids will want to help with dinner. Nachos for Dinner takes the spirit of this treasured appetizer as an easy, versatile crowd pleaser with crunchy, melty, and flavorful elements combining to create something different for every night of the week with little to no cleanup and a minimum of pans used. You can find more of Dan's recipes beyond nachos at his site, 
The Food in My Beard, as well as info on his other books on s'mores and tots and more. Welcome back to the show, Dan. Okay, Dan, we have to just start at the very, very beginning, at the heart of the matter. (laughs) How do you define nachos? I guess. (laughs) What are they? So the first nachos ever made were chips, cheese, and jalapenos, pickled jalapenos. So, I mean, to me, if it's just chips and cheese, that counts as nachos. You don't even need to have cheese, but it has to be like cheese, cheese-like or like okay, something. Okay, okay. I see where you're going. <laughs> I think the line in the book I had was like, when I was a broke college student, if I put, a, if I put hot sauce on a plate of chips, that wasn't nachos. But if I put like refried beans on the chips, that was, it's like goopy enough to be like, a, be a nacho. Really? So you think just refried beans on a chip is a nacho, like no cheese. You're going to say that's a nacho. That's an, to me. We're starting off controversial I'm pretty, I'm pretty open (laughs) with, with definitions of food as long as you're like, you have the spirit in mind. There's, there's other things in here that don't have cheese. Like there's a larb nacho yes which does like the classic sort of chicken chopped chicken salad with uh like a coconut cream on it and you know it it felt like nachos to me when i was eating it i mean listen the coconut cream is sort of cheese like yeah different than the meat but here's another question for you is it nachos if the cheese is on the side so if you get like at the movie theater or something here's a bowl of chips and then there's cheese sauce on the side that you can dip into are those nachos I mean, I feel like that's that's how nachos spread across the country, uh, especially <laughs> at like sporting events and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely in the history of nachos because what, after they were created, they kind of like, once that cheese sauce was created, that could be like held at the temperature in stadiums and stuff. That's how they got so successful. So I'm trying to like find words to define what the non-cheese component is because like you talk, and you do talk about this in the book, like what are the three things? And it's sort of like, Something crispy, crunchy, like the chip, the ooey, gooey, unctuous, fatty, like cheese. <laughs> yeah, <layer>. yeah. <laughs> and then something that's like a, a flavorful finish, like a salsa, a sauce, a, a jalapeno sort of thing are like the three things. Three, Yeah, the three pillars, I think we, we call them in here. <laughs> Yes. This happened also when we had you on to talk about s'mores when we were like, will it s'more? And really we, we, the, the marshmallow was the thing where we're like, is that the one component that like makes it what it is? So is the like cheesy component really what makes the nacho? I think so. Yeah. And it, in the topping component is like what makes it interesting, but it's funny because you don't even need it to call it nachos. And what's also funny that you bring up s'mores is I was doing a segment on a show recently. And when we were doing s'mores, I kept saying gooey, melty, crunchy. And when someone asked me what the things of nachos were, I reverted back to that s'mores moment and said gooey, melty, crunchy. And then I was like, I'm not even going to fix that because it worked. (laughs) So really, your career is about gooey, melty, crunchy. (laughs) Yes. If you don't make that a t-shirt, we're going to oh, that's a good <laughs> send idea. you residuals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thinking about what's at the heart of nachos, what are the cultural implications of writing about nachos as a, a white dude who lives in Ohio? Sure. Um, so I did write, I did touch on this for sure in the book. Yeah. And 
I, I mean, I it's wish a, I appreciate it. I just want to say, yeah, I, I think it's something that, you know, in the food industry, we all need to always be thinking about. Right. And I think it's super important in the idea of discovery and exploration and stuff to be able to cook what you want to cook, but you have to make sure you're doing it the right way. I think there's like three things that I think about a lot of times when I'm working on recipes. The first is generally like, am I making money from it? And on my website, a lot of times I'm, I'm not necessarily making money. I do have ads now, so maybe I'm making a little, but also like, am I gaining some sort of like relevance or like, am I in a position of influence when I talk about it? So if you're not making money or in a position of influence, you can do whatever you want, right? Like any person can just go on Facebook and be like, I made this curry. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but if you are making money, then you have to think about the other two things. And the next one is, are you really like appreciating the food, appreciating the culture, not separating it, not like totally messing it up or trying to pretend like it's authentic? And the third thing, which is harder to define is, are you taking up space for someone from someone from yes. that culture that can be um, in your position, right? So, you know, I tried to think about all those things when I was writing this book. I don't, there's many things in here that are inspired by authentic things. And I try to do really deep dives and give people information about where they could find more information. But I think a lot of my recipes on the website and in the book are more like twists and plays and like new ideas uh, that are based on these sort of super classic things. I mean, the corn tortilla is like, is so ingrained in the history of Mexico. Uh, so just the very concept of nachos is is built upon that. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that this book is so quintessentially you. You know, you have a very particular professional history and this fits perfectly. Like no one else could write this particular book on nachos. I don't feel like you tried to set out to like, only talk about the history of nachos and elevate it and, you know, separate it. Like you were saying, like, here's how to make nachos healthy. Like this has got your stamp all over it. It's what you've done while you've also acknowledged the history and explained it and given context to what you do and what inspires you. Well, thank you. That's really nice to hear because I did work really hard on, you know, and we delayed the book a whole year because I had already been like focused on that. But then, you know, the publisher got more invested and yeah, made sure everything was right. And so, which is great. That's yeah, what we want publishers exactly. to do. And it's great that they had an author like you who was willing to do that and, you know, take the time. Okay. You mentioned tortillas. Yes. And how that's at the base of things. One of the charts that I actually, or pullouts that I really loved in the book that I found myself like, oh, food nerd out. It's a chart called Different Ways to Give a Chip. <laughs> yes. Which we love a good food pun. <laughs> that was almost the whole subtitle of the book, like how not to give a chip, but <laughs> <laughs> they, they, we, we switched it, but I was glad that it still stayed in the book. Somewhere. Yes, I totally appreciated it. It totally stuck out. But talk to us about the chip. And like what's important for nachos? Because Megan and I, we do have a nacho episode, how to make nachos a legit family dinner from a million years ago. And this was like something that we talked about at length. And I want you as the expert to talk to us a little bit about the chips and what you have to consider. And then also talk to us about like 
as you started to riff and go into those crazy places, like one of my favorite recipes here is the scallion pancake nachos. What did you think about? What was quintessential about the chip for nachos that you pulled over into other ingredients that you used as a base? Yeah, so nachos, uh, the chips themselves, I mean, I've been on a chip journey my whole life, just like a nacho <laughs> journey. But there's a lot of newer brands of chips that are more like sort of artisan. And I think that's the first category in that, besides homemade, in that chart. And they're basically are made the same way you would make them at home. Like it's a corn tortilla first, they cut it, and then they fry it. And when you buy those chips, they're like so, so sturdy. They work so well in nachos. And they're also like a nice, small, triangular size. Then you get to the more like uh, manufactured chips, right? And the most common kind is called restaurant style. And they're huge. And when you get the bag, there's almost not one full chip in the whole bag. They're all broken. Yes. Worst. (laughs) And especially from my blogger sort of like mindset of making it look good. Those chips will never look good in a in a nacho, right? Uh, but also, they get soggy a lot quicker because the way they make those is more like from the masa itself. They they're doing like a corn dough, and then it's formed into a chip and fried immediately. It's never a tortilla in mm. between. So you know, if you use those, you have to use those, which sometimes you do. Even me, like I'm in the aisle, the chip aisle for like hours looking at different <laughs> chips. They're like, oh, the chip guy's here again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you have to use the sort of more uh, industrial kinds, you can. But uh, one tip also is you can like quickly toast them. And that helps oh, the, uh, them yes. stay crispy with the, the toppings. And also what I usually do for the recipes is I put a layer of cheese, like half the cheese first then the toppings, then the other half of the cheese. And the, the first layer of cheese is kind of a protector from like the wetter toppings to not make the chip soggy. So you're really thinking about a lot of like structural integrity when you are talking about the chip component of nachos. But how does, like Stacey said, said how does that play into things like the scallion pancake? Or there's like a, a pretzel-y, really, a soft pretzel yeah take on nachos too. I mean, most of these recipes, I could have gone wild and had like so many non-chip recipes, right? Uh, but I tried to restrain it a little bit to keep it to more things that really uh, were fairly close to chips themselves for, mo- for the most part. <laughs> but I think like it started from writing the tater tot book is like you call t- tater tots covered in cheese tachos. Yeah. You can't, you, there's no way to eat tachos with your fingers no not at all so i was like just the idea of like using your hands you don't even need it anymore so that's how i was thinking like i use the circular pretzels like the little round pretzels um thinking that i could just pile them up like tachos but with things like scallion pancakes it's more just like i see something and think like that's the shape of a chip like it could be it could be a chip in this scenario and when I was writing a recipe like that, I'm like, I was thinking of the idea of like Chinese takeout, right? I'm like, I could just do boneless spare ribs and maybe some like broccoli and put it on regular chips. But that that was a lot of the question, like, should it be regular chips or should I go the extra mile with uh, like something like <laughs> scallion pancakes? And you went the extra mile. You always do. That's what we love about you. <laughs> You're always going that extra mile. <laughs> 
Okay, even though we have a whole episode on nachos, I think we square we like squarely landed on really talking about like sheet pan nachos yes. in the oven. And one of the ways I knew that a nacho book was coming, Dan, from you was on your Instagram, the microwave nachos of the day was a running theme for a little while, like in in early 2020. So talk to us about the different methods for making nachos and is one superior than the other? Because microwave nachos get like a lot of hate in the like food media world, yeah. which is un- undeserved. <laughs> undeserved for sure. I mean, that was probably the first recipe I ever learned to make in my life. I was coming home from school and put the, the chips on a plate, covered it with cheese, put it in the microwave. And I I was one of those people that was like probably against microwave nachos for a while. I think it was like the pandemic that I was like, I'm going to start microwaving nacho. This pandemic won't bring me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it was a lot of things where I was like putting my leftovers onto the, um, from the night before onto the plate with the chips. And it was like a nice three o'clock snack, you know, similarly to what it was when I, when I was first making it as a kid, but in the book itself, it's all sheet pan. So it's all like single layer, really like dinner time, putting the little bit. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily more effort, but it's it's great in the sheet pan because it's just one big layer for everyone and you can make a lot and you don't have to pile it and have the empty chips on the bottom. So that's what I was going to ask. Like at the end of the day, as the nacho expert, do you feel like making them on the sheet pan and making sure you layer and not pile so that, because that's the worst, you know, when like a restaurant, you order nachos and once everybody eats the top, there's a whole thick pile of chips that have nothing on them. And you have to start digging around on the edges, trying to pull like toppings together. Like this is the superior way to pull out the sheet pans, to make it a single layer approximately, and to make sure that you're layering your ingredients. Yeah. And one one thing I always say is like when I'm putting the toppings on, you know, take that extra time to make sure the toppings are like really spread out amongst all the chips. And my tip is to kind of like squint your eyes and think of like an abstract painting that all the colors are like balanced on the sheet tray. That's very artistic. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I hate hitting balls on this conversation because we love talking about nachos so much. But before we hear more from Dan, let's take a quick break to hear from this week's sponsor. Last year, both Stacy and I discovered Nutrafol, a supplement that supports healthy hair growth by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. We've been so thrilled with the results that in 2022, we want to make sure every woman knows about Nutrafol, because as it turns out, 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through seasons when hair loss and thinning are normal, like postpartum and premenopausal, and all the times in between. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months, and more than 1,500 doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. Most importantly, Nutrafol is 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals and consistently effective dosages, so you get the most reliable results. And major bonus, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and my favorite, better skin and nails. 
No matter your stage in life or whether you're experiencing thinning hair caused by stress, hormonal changes, overstyling, or some other reason, there's a Nutrafol product for you. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for personalized product recommendations. Grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code D-I-J-F-Y to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus get free shipping on every order. That's $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code D-I-J-F-Y. Can we talk about beans for one second? Of course, always. Because I know this is classic, and we're going to get into, you know your more experimental nachos in a second. But beans, are you pro whole beans, refried beans? And how do you make sure that you get proper spread with your beans when you're using them on nachos? Do you even use beans on nachos, I should ask? Yes. So I do use beans and I I love refried beans, but on nachos themselves, I think whole beans is better to spread evenly. And I, I'm always like a hands-on person, so I use my hands, and that's the easiest way to get things pretty evenly spread. But I mean, there is probably the first third of the book is is ingredient focused, and then the the last two thirds are like putting those ingredients together. Because I worked at a burrito shop for a couple of years, and I actually wrote a lot of their recipes there. So I wanted to make sure there was a good black bean, pinto bean, and refried bean uh, recipe in here. And you could use that first third of the book and like make all burritos with the stuff because it's kind of like overlapping ingredients. I really love that you mentioned that because I was going to bring it up. One of the things that I love is that, I mean, besides the fact that this is, it's a beautiful book, it's super fun, it feels accessible, but there's creative stuff. A lot of times when you see a single topic cookbook, it can get a little gimmicky. And there's so much stuff here that I bookmark just for weeknight cooking. Like you have red curry chickpeas. Like you could make that, you can use it on nachos for fun, you know, or on non-chips or whatever it is. And then you can also just make that and serve it over rice for dinner. You have a lot of fun guacamoles that are really great, um, a chili recipe that's really great. And you have a chart on how to reuse all of these different ingredients to make burritos, which I thought was super smart too. Oh yeah, it's the Coney Island. I had to look it up because you have a Coney Island style chili that looks delicious. I thought, uh, I think like on nachos, a thin chili is better than uh, a thick hearty one for me personally. Yeah, because it almost then acts like a sauce a little bit too, and it doesn't get too heavy and weigh your chips down too much. Exactly, and I always shied away from because like chili is actually a weirdly a common nacho topping, but I never liked it. And once I realized, oh, if you do like a more thin one, it, it actually works. Yeah. Okay. So chili, uh, talking about scallion pancakes, I want to play a quick rapid fire round of like, not. I'm not looking at book recipes. I want to know, will it nacho? <laughs> and hear what you would do. And my first one is because my kids are home today, breakfast cereal, will it nacho? 
<laughs> so I've seen a friend of mine, uh, the vulgar chef is his name, and he recently put cheese, like cheddar cheese literally on top of a plate of Cheerios and put salsa on it. So he used the, the breakfast cereal as the, the chip itself, which is wild. Like I would have never done that. Also, I would not have picked Cheerios as the choice. Yeah, like Golden Grams or CTC or something that feels like I was even, slightly yeah. more chip-like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What were you thinking, Megan? I mean, I would have gone Cinnamon Toast Crunch or I was also thinking about like um, Frosted Mini Wheats, but I definitely wouldn't oh. have gone cheese and salsa. I probably would have gone like more breakfasty and done like like yogurt as this sort of like cheesy business and then what i would do actually is do actual chips and make like a bechamel sauce so it's like milk and then top it with bacon and maybe lucky charms see people this is why he's the expert <laughs> this is why dan <laughs> writes these books okay stacy what do you want a nacho i next? don't know i feel like the pressure's on ask him one more and i'm gonna come okay up with well i'm sorry i'm still just like on this kid food bend yeah can you nacho pop tarts Ooh, <laughs> that's interesting um i mean the thing is that they get a little too soft for to be chips, I think. I feel like you've tried, and that's the weird thing that's coming out of that asking that question. Okay, what about pie dough? I did a pie dough in here um, with basically with uh, apple pie filling. Yeah. What about candy? Do I have to be more specific? I'm trying to think because there is some like dessert. I wrote like more desserts, but then I was like, I'm really just like putting pot, like pouring sauce and candy on top of like <laughs> pretzels or whatever right yeah uh so i paired it way down and combined it with breakfast so it was kind of like the midnight snack slash breakfast slash like let's get weird at the very end of the book section <laughs> yeah i mean i think there i had the idea of like putting some gummy bears on there for sure okay i have two megan's on the kids food tip i'm on the new york city food tip can you nacho pizza or is pizza already <laughs> is like pizza kind a of nacho? a nacho? <laughs> it is triangular. Oh no, you're gonna start like yeah, weird, like now we're controversy. Going down. It's like, is it a sandwich? Yeah. Is it a nacho? Is it already a nacho? Yeah. I think for pizza nachos, you just do regular chips with like sauce and and mozzarella um, and pepperoni. Yeah. You can't take a slice of pizza and nacho it. What about bagels? Yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, well, you could do bagel chips. First yeah. of all, you could do like a, a cream cheese crema, right? Uh, maybe this some delicious, maybe actually. some like smoked salmon. Yeah. Or you could go more of like a cheddar direction. But also <laughs> you could, I was thinking when you first said that, I thought of bagel bites. Yeah. I just want to put like more cheese on top of a huge <laughs> plate of bagel bites. <laughs> Well, because bagel bites also brings together the pizza and pizza the bagel situation. Can you, okay, for the keto people out there, can you nacho like deli meat? Or like I was thinking roast beef or something. Well, so let's see. I mean, bacon or even prosciutto can be pretty crispy. Yes. But I, I'm wondering if it's like too thin to hold a topping. Probably, but prosciutto chips. I think it's chips. a place mm. where you bring the cheese in as a chip, like those whisk oh, those crackers are pretty good. Yeah. where it's like dehydrated and it's super crunchy. 
But I will say, uh, could you uh, put more cheese on them? I feel like yes. <laughs> cheese on cheese, all cheese nachos. <laughs> Uh, I will say there's a fantastic grain-free uh, chip brand called Siete, if you've ever had it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Let's also talk about veganizing, because you have a vegan cheese recipe yeah. that looks really great. I have to admit, I haven't made it yet because I'm not vegan, so I always just want cheese. <laughs> but keto, gluten-free, vegan, it's all... Is it pretty easy to make nachos? for people who are following those diets? Yeah, I think so. We, we in our house, try to do like, I don't know, 75% vegan, I guess. My wife is better at it than I am. People know that about you. Would people be surprised? You actually do mention it in the book, but I felt like I was like, oh, really? Yeah, but uh, so the the cheese sauce is great. And it's it's like a high-powered blender thing. Use some potato Mm -hmm. and some cashews and it comes out really good. And it's it's from a, a taco shop that was like down the street from me when I lived in Boston and they had really great all vegan and they didn't really like advertise they were vegan. It was really great. So anyways, I always want to be as inclusive as I can when writing a book like this and make sure that anyone can do it. And if you have that cheese sauce, you can pretty much like convert Make a lot of things nacho. into nachos, right? There is yeah. a few actual vegetarian. There's one that's inspired by mapo tofu, but it's like mushroom tofu on tacos. It's really good. On nachos, it's really good. See, even you're thinking about tacos now. Okay, last little bit. And I feel like you kind of answered this when you were talking about like the origins of nachos. But if we have to play a game of Kiss, Mary Kill with the components of nachos, so chip component, cheese component, the spicy salsa slash jalapeno component, which which is like kiss, marry, and kill. You have to get rid of one. Right. So obviously I would have to kill the topping part because it can still be nachos without that. Yes. Purist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, marry the chips themselves because, I mean, I literally before I got on here was eating chips and salsa. So. <laughs> is that your favorite food? Are chips and salsa your favorite food? Probably, yeah. I feel like my teenage son is going to really, I've been like hiding your book in my office. So now that we've spoken to you, I'm going to release it into the wilds of (laughs) my kitchen today. And I feel like he's going to have a heyday with this, but I have to admit that he will microwave all of it. (laughs) That will be his first foray, but think of it as a 14 year old in Brooklyn, possibly following in your footsteps. Exactly. You know, I'm, a lot of a lot of the food people are like don't do this don't do this don't do this or like this is the right way this is better to me like microwaving chips is training wheels yeah and uh like i credit my love of cooking to like microwaving hot pockets because i was like i need i did i talk about this last time maybe i don't know (laughs) but i'm just like i need to microwave this the exact amount so the center isn't frozen and that so yes. nothing comes out like comes flying out of the sides. And it was like kind of like a tricky thing because the information on the packet was slightly wrong. And I had a whole technique where I would like pause the microwave for a little bit in between to like let the heat kind of distribute before and then I would cook it again. And I got it right after trial and error. And you I You were cooking. Yes, exactly. And it that sort of like particularness when you're younger kind of moves into like, okay. Now I'm going to put the right amount of peanut butter on my sandwich. Uh, the ratio is important. Now I'm going to 
microwave chips and make sure the edges get crispy, but the middle is like bubbly. And then suddenly you're actually, you know, cooking even more. You're accidentally cooking. I love that so much. I want to bring this back because we just had an episode recently about ramen that was inspired by one of Stacey's boys because it's like a big food trend and he got into it via TikTok. And because I think of you as someone who is like very in on trends, but also like just having the most fun with food outside of nachos, like what are big food trends that you see coming in the next year, like in 2022, what are we all going to be making and eating? Uh, well, did did you talk about trends when you were talking about this or no? Uh, at the end of the year, at the end of 2021, we did have an episode where we talked about a couple of food trends that we thought were trash and then a couple that we actually <laughs> liked, but we didn't go that deep. It was yeah. very personal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's so hard to to tell. And every year they come out with those lists and then it's like, who writes these lists? And like, weirdly, certain countries' food will be on the list as if they haven't been making yes. their food for like thousands totally. of years. Totally. Uh, like so, it all of a sudden exists. Yeah, right, right. I feel like every year Peruvian food is on the list every single year. And I'm like, what? I've been eating yeah. this the whole time. It's a staple. Yeah. So, yeah. um. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but I feel like I feel like the TikTok trends are going to get even more intense. Ooh! And I feel like they're going to get worse. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like instead like worse of worse in a <laughs> cheesy, like they're going to be terrible food recipe. Like terrible... yeah, like yeah. I, I feel like what go does well is like when it's controversial, and half the time, if you look, it's like people saying how bad it is. Yeah. And then, but it. it gets suddenly gets seen by enough people that then it becomes a trend anyways and everyone's making it like i do remember there was one from this year where the girl like mashed up salmon onto rice and like put soy sauce on top of it and it was a big trend for a while and it just looked really bad (laughs) i somehow missed that one but it is making me miss that it's making me think of the tortilla hack thing yeah it it and suddenly everyone was doing it and it was just looked bad and dry yeah, it looked bad and dry and also like um not that easy either. I mean like it is, but like you're like folding everything over and you're like, what what is this? Like yeah. why? Well, I thought that we were gonna get a sneak preview of your next book, what you're thinking. I know about. that's why I was yeah, like, Yeah, you were trying to get one, something but out of him. About but... nachos. <laughs> He's still in nachos. Um, yeah, I've had a handful of ideas, but we need to <laughs> firm up the idea. Well, we can't wait. We know whatever it is, it's going to be fun, but thoughtful and actually useful, like for weeknight dinners too. Yeah. And we can't wait to have you back whenever it does. Always. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I love just chatting about stuff. We like we chatted for 10 minutes before we even hit play. So (laughs) (laughs) it's the best. We love chatting with you. Megan, I'm most inspired i mean besides the nachos and i know that's what people are going to love because it's actually really helpful to hear a food professional kind of like break it down and give you those quick tips so that you can make nachos for dinner because it really is a win you can use your leftovers you can add protein you can make it vegan you can make it vegetarian and kids are going to like it just because it's nachos for the most part. Oh, it's also really easy to deconstruct, which is really important for us parents where you can put different toppings out. People can make their own, but 
I really love thinking about how microwaving nachos was Dan's introduction to cooking. And I thought that was so interesting because I was originally talking to him about Isaac, who, as we all know, because we've joked about it here a few times, he microwaves cheese on bread, which is sad, but works and he <laughs> likes it. I mean, only because like a grilled cheese doesn't take effort for me and you get that buttery, crispy goodness, right? So I was originally thinking about Isaac, but I don't think there's no signs. We'll see what happens. People change. There are no signs to me right now that Isaac's like a passionate cook. Right. Oliver is showing signs of being like a foodie and a passionate cook. And Dan was reminding me so much of Oliver when he was like, yeah. So I was like thinking about it. Like, how do I microwave this so that it's perfect in the middle? And those are totally 100% the kind of thoughts that Oliver has when he's in the kitchen. He's like, how can I make this just exactly what I want? Like, let me add a little bit of this. Like if I serve plain steamed rice, He's like, can you bring me the vinegar and can you like a little, and he's like mixing it up. And I think I've had passing thoughts about it, but I really like pausing on this for a moment. That's him cooking. Right. Like it's not cooking the way we define it. We think about it now that we're adults, but that's what it is. I love this as a, didn't I just feed you permission slip, which you know, I love to write because I think sometimes that we as parents have this weird pressure where we, it's like, we should be like baking cookies from start to finish with our kids as what's, or like a whole meal, right? From start to finish with our kids as what counts for cooking with our kids. But if you take the time and effort to like put leftovers, some grated cheese, um, whatever kind of toppings you might like on nachos, your family might like on nachos out, and you offer your kids the opportunity to build their own nachos, I think what you're saying here is that counts as cooking with your kids. That is a cooking exposure with your yes. kids. Yes, and that some kids are gonna get into it and some just aren't the same way some grownups just don't care about or love or enjoy cooking, but we all have to feed ourselves. That's why I think we talk about like what your kids should cook, know how to cook before they leave home. And we talk a lot about like getting in the kitchen with kids. I think it's sort of two prong. One is that we want exposure right. to different foods and giving them that autonomy, the autonomy that cooking gives them helps them be a little bit more open-minded sometimes. So that's why we think it's worth doing. And the other side is that, you know, we hope to get them excited about cooking, but what we're really talking about there for the kids who are just, who are more like Isaac, I just want him to be capable of feeding himself. Like I yeah. want him to just have some basic skill and microwaving cheese on bread is that for him. And so great. Like, I'm glad that we have a microwave and that I was like, make your own grilled cheese. That counts as towards building his skill. Yes. Also, every time we were talking about the microwave, which, you know, I love the microwave very much, but as a tool for like getting kids into the kitchen, which I also still really love. I kept thinking in all the conversations about the microwave, about the air fryer, and how great it would be to build individual nachos, pop them in the air fryer. And you Ooh. just finally admitted in our private Instagram feed for our listeners group that you bought an air fryer after being like, eh, I don't know. And you're like really excited about it. I am. I mean, there's a longer story there, but I'll pop that into the listeners group. 
Yes. And we're going to talk about air fryers again, because you're going to are, you're going to get experimenting, but I think that that's another really great tool for getting your kids one for nachos and two for like getting your kids to do a little bit of cooking that doesn't feel like them standing over the stove and you hovering. And I kind of can't believe we didn't talk to Dan about making your own homemade tortillas using an air fryer. Have you done that? Yeah, I haven't. Have you? No, but guess what's on my to-do list now? (laughs) I already know that one of the things that's on your to-do list is to jump into our listeners group and tell us the story, the longer story about how you ended up with your air fryer. Um, But you know that they're going to have a ton of other great inspiration for us there about things that will or will not nacho. (laughs) Uh, And we'd love that for you to join us there. If you are not part of our simple forwarding community, you can join us for free at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. Or if you want those bonus episodes and other goodies, join our supporting community. You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram where we are at didn't I just feed you or by signing up for our newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to didn't I just feed you wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're already a subscriber, leave us a rating or a review. We really love those. They bring us a lot of joy and they help other busy home cooks find us. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.